What's up, big soccer heads? This is Miami Total Football Radio. I am Eric Krakauer in Miami, recording remotely, and somewhere near the swamps of South Florida is Franco Panizo. Franco, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good, man. How, how are you? You know, going a little, a little stir crazy. I am. Adriana is. But baby Stella is having the time of her life, basically dictating the tempo of everything that goes on in the house. How's your family? Everyone's good, man. Just trying to bide the time as much as possible, obviously. Um, trying to do some working out at home, reading some soccer books, watching some Netflix series and playing a little bit of PlayStation um, and some, a little bit of work. So um, it's, not well, all, it's not all fun and, and fun and games. I'm glad you're doing some work. You didn't seem too excited about anything except when you said that you're doing some work. I do see that you post all your, uh, I was going to say FIFA, but it really is uh, Pro Evolution Soccer successes as you embarrass family members and friends wherever they, <laughs> they may be. I do want to give a don't, shout don't out. Don't say any to names. Your... They'll, they'll stop listening to the pod. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to your mom, Franco, because your mom is a public school teacher in Miami and she's working from home. And uh, I used to be a teacher and I know how tough that is. So uh, much love to, uh, to to your mama from uh, from the pod and everybody who is listening. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll pass along the word. I'm sure she'll it'll bring a smile to her face. And she's a big fan of mine, even though we've only met once. But she quickly realized that out of the two of us, I am the more talented uh, soccer <laughs> player. But enough about that. We are back, listener, outside our regular day because our pod usually drops on Tuesday. And obviously we have been off because nothing has happened. But we are back because motion has been detected at Inter-Miami HQ with players reporting for individual training and Franco was there to tell us all about it more on that in a bit since the important pod news today is that we spoke to Inter Miami captain Luis Robles a little earlier and we're going to play that interview in a few minutes our first guest Franco the player we wanted as our first guest and someone we've been covering for a number of years at Red Bull Arena and now at Lockhart. But first, Franco, catch us up on MLS's gradual and strictly controlled return to action, if you will. Yeah, so four teams were able to uh, return to the training fields at their respective training facilities beginning Wednesday, May 6th. Inter-Miami was one of those one of those teams. The other three were Atlanta United, Sporting Kansas City, and Orlando City. And you know, it's it's a step in the right direction for us that love soccer and love talking about soccer. Obviously, the German Bundesliga is returning soon, and that will give us something to watch and talk about. But for those of us that are that follow MLS uh, and are observers of MLS, this was uh, a good bit of news, a good development, just so we can start feeling like there might be some return to sem- some. Some return to, to normal. normalcy. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, can I just cut you off real quick as as you mumble to yourself over there? Uh, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you some props. I mean, I shouldn't, but uh, you want to bet, uh, or you will be winning a bet in about a week when the Bundesliga returns to action because you and I had um, had bet essentially that we wouldn't have soccer, or I said we wouldn't have soccer until the end of the summer, and you disagreed with me. You said it would come back earlier than most people thought. So for that. Kudos, and for that, you deserve your dollar. Anyway, wow. I just wanted to say that. I'm surprised you publicly just outed yourself in losing that to me. So now people know that I'm up on you by like 
four points in our season competition what are you, of, what are you of, ta- about? of takes. We've had, we've, we've had two two bets. And, uh, <laughs> I won one and you won one. And let's not even talk about the other one right now because we don't want to waste time. But you think you were right and we'll see. Just go back for anybody who's listening. Just go back to a couple of pods ago when we talked about goalkeeping and shots towards the near post and all that business. But anyway, back to business, Franco. Go ahead. Yeah, so, uh, you know, obviously – for the Inter Miami fans and followers out there, Inter Miami returned to the training field uh, this week. There was a very thorough process required for them to be able to participate in individual workouts. They could not train as a group or as a team. They could not. There was no contact with the players. There was no contact with the coaching staff. Everybody that was there was separated and recognizing the social distancing measures that are still in place. Uh, but you know, players were able to do some ball work on a field for the first time in two months for the first time since the you know since this MLS season was suspended due to the coronavirus outbreak and you know there was a lot of happiness a lot of excitement to be back out and be able to kick a ball and do some drills and run through some uh, cones and all that so a lot of happiness a lot of joy to start again get to get back to some semblance of normalcy I got it right this time so you came out smoothly you did very good. Uh, second time was a charm. Uh, we saw a player who was injured, or you saw a player who was injured, participate in the quadrant, small quadrant. Well, see, so you training. keep no, 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 hold on. So you keep saying that I was there. I was not there. The media. That's true. Sorry. Training trainings were closed to media. Uh, only that's correct. Team staff. You were outside. You were outside <laughs> the stadium recording I, one of your one of your videos. I did that afterwards on on Wednesday. In front, you know, did a hit in front of the uh, Inter Miami Stadium, but I didn't. I wasn't out. They're stalking the the practice facility or anything like that, um, but yeah, it, you know. So, so you know, continue. Julian Carranza is the is the player that you're uh, that you're referencing that was able to return to training today. And, and so that's great news because do we know the extent or have we heard anything about uh, about Robinson's uh, injury, the one that he. Uh, got playing against DC. Did we ever find out what that was? We never found out exactly what it was, but he is back in, well, at least he was back in individual trainings this week. Uh, looked looked healthy, wasn't wearing a brace or anything on either of his legs and looked like he went through uh, the normal paces based off of what we can see in video footage and in pictures that were posted um, but yeah, it sounds like he's healthy and ready to go. And it sounds like Julian Carranza, who had been out since late January with a foot injury, is also back and fully healthy. He trained today, Thursday, uh, his first session touching the ball. And he, you know, again, super delighted and super excited to get back on the field. Uh, I think Diego Alonso said during his post practice interview that was distributed to, to media that. Carranza was beaming. He was glowing, and he had a certain energy and enthusiasm about him while he was, you know, running through the drills and the workouts. And again, these were non-contact drills. You know, the team was split into different groups, and they could they had to come at a certain time period that they were allotted, and then they would walk onto a quadrant of a field, and then they'd have to do their drills from there. So while they were quote unquote nearby teammates they weren't able to you know either shake their hands or uh right they were, they were following was, yeah. protocol correct yeah. so and, and and luis robles uh, does tell us a little bit more uh about that experience and and how different it was just going yeah, back to the point it, that you it, made about 
Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very thorough process. Uh, you know, I I I don't want to gloss over that. You know, I just want to make sure people know that it is a very thorough process. Uh, by all accounts, not only did the players have to uh, fill out a MLS questionnaire regarding their recent travel or health in order to be able to participate, but once they could were clear to participate, they had to drive to the training facility wearing a face mask. Once they pulled up to the parking spot, they had to have an an athletic trainer come over, check their temperature, sanitize their hands, make sure that they were good to go and cleared to, to go onto the practice field. Once they were cleared, they could park, but they had to park three spaces apart again to to acknowledge and, and continue with the social distancing measures that are in place. Once they got out of their cars, they had to walk with their face masks on around the training facility. They were not allowed to go into the training facility for any reason. They were not able to use the bathroom. They were not able to use weights, nothing of the sort. So they walked around the training facility uh, and went to the quadrant that they were assigned. They trained for an hour. Afterwards, they had to walk back to their car with a mask, got their hands sanitized again, and had their temperature taken and then left uh, from the east or west point of entry that they had come in. So it's a very thorough process, uh, but, you know, again, necessary at this point. And how about that for detail from Franco Panizo? That was... That was great. Every every little detail. You know what I just thought about as you were telling me that and the fact that they couldn't use the bathroom? Back in the day when I was playing in different leagues in New York like you did and no bathroom uh, being anywhere near the pitch and having to figure out a way to, you know, have a pee, if you will. Uh, <laughs> have a pee, if you which will. Was, <laughs> which, was, which was always – uh, an adventure. I actually have a friend who played with me, and he, he got he got written up by the police um, in, in New York for 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 doing that. They, and, do, they do need to figure that out in New York, though. Not not to get sidetracked, but they, they do, do need to figure that out because like, yeah. sometimes they have bathrooms at facility or at you know near near the turf fields or whatever, but then it's not working, so it's locked and it's closed off. So like, what do you do? Go to a nearby deli and you know ask. Yeah, them if it's, you, it's, exactly. It's, anyway, but anyway. as long as long as you don't pull a, a Landon Donovan uh, when he when he peed on, I think it was it was either here. Here, Demarcus Beasley, but one of them peed on uh, a, a field that when they were playing Mexico, he had to go, and you know that obviously did not go very well for the Mexicans. The game was in Mexico. There you go. Hey, who you know, if you're listening to this, you had no idea that the conversation was going to go in uh, this direction. Franco, any last uh, bit of information that we need to know before we go to the pièce de résistance, which is our interview with uh, Captain Robles. Yeah, just that the team was, you know, again, I'll just reiterate, the team was excited to be back. They acknowledged that it was a bit weird not being able to, to talk or uh, really acknowledge one, one another. You know, they could wave from afar, but that was pretty much it. But, again, given the circumstances, they'll take it. They were very happy. It's been two long months of individual workouts and running on their own. And just to get back onto the practice field uh, was nice. And they talked about just how happy they were. So it's it's a step in the right direction. Obviously, the next step would be to have small-sided group training. Uh, when that will happen, who knows? Again, this was only four teams in all of MLS that could train this way as of this week. So still a lot to be figured out. But again, a step in the right direction, some optimism, some uh, a reason to, to think that things may, may uh, come back to normal somewhat soon. Uh, without further ado... 
Here is, thankfully, our chat with Luis Robles. It's our pleasure to welcome to the pod three-time Supporter Shield winner, 2015 MLS Goalkeeper of the Year, and the first ever Inter-Miami captain, Luis Robles. Luis, thanks for uh, freeing up some quarantine time uh, to join us. And were these normal circumstances, I'd ask you how you're settling in in South Florida. Clearly not the case. Uh, so how have you and your family adjusted to this new reality, this quarantine life? Uh, I mean, in some ways, it's it's been kind of great. Like, even my wife and I were talking today that <laughs> if I could find a job that allows me to stay home and make this sort of money, I'm in. But <laughs> it's just it's just not the case. And, and we've really enjoyed it because, as you said, uh, there is an adjustment. And even though we haven't been able to explore and my wife has yet to be uh, acquainted with South Beach and Miami and, and all that Miami has to offer, we've really just enjoyed our time as a family and we spend a lot of time outside because that's the great thing about South Florida. You can be outside almost every single day. Uh, Luis Franco here. Um, I got to ask you because I know, I know you were working on it before everything kind of went on hold, uh, but como va el español? <laughs> um yeah i i'm definitely working on my spanish and unfortunately you're right like when everything went on hold i thought okay you know what here's an opportunity maybe i could utilize what the mls has in partnership with snhu and uh when i look at my day i just don't think that's even possible like so in the morning i was doing all the training regiments i was supposed to and and then, then when I get back into the house, it, you know, our three kids, they're very energetic and they're active. And uh, my son's seven, my daughters are five and three, and, and it's just all day nonstop. And if I just snuck off for a couple hours to do that, I think my wife would, uh, I mean, she would never say that she wasn't on board, but I mean, I just think it'd be a lot more difficult. So, you know, if, uh, if we ever get back on track and, and uh, we're back in the, the training facility, then hopefully we can find something a little bit more regular. I know that Paul has said that for all the American or English speakers, at least, that want to learn Spanish, he's, he's going to get a tutor. And if that's the case, then I really, really would like to utilize that. Oh, that's great. Now, see, I know you have three kids. So I'm sure that they that they keep you busy. Now it explains why um, you lock yourself out of your smart car at one point. I don't know. At how... one point during this quarantine. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know how you do it. I've got a 14-month-old daughter. I'm actually currently looking at the monitor making sure that she doesn't wake up and she keeps me busy all the time i was saying off air that managing to cram in two shows and i know louise that you were on one of the bn shows recently managing to cram those in without being interrupted by her crying or her just running up to me is uh is, is very very difficult i will say that stage is more difficult eric and and i mean my wife cringes every time i say this but i wasn't a huge baby stage fan uh if anything I would constantly say, I can't wait till they can walk around. I can't wait till they can talk and communicate. And the stage that they're in right now is phenomenal. Like, I mean, basically today, this this was my day. I went to the training facility, which was amazing to be at. Um, and then I came back, and my son wanted to kick, so we kicked. And then he wanted to play Monopoly, so we played Monopoly. And then my daughters wanted to do this and that and watch a show. And then after dinner, we all rode bikes and, and walked to the mailbox. Like, I, I just, I love that. It's it's a lot of fun, and I'm just soaking it up because once the season starts, it's probably not going to be like that. And honestly, in a couple of years, it's probably not going to be like that once they have all their activities going. 
Yeah, that's right. Now, speaking, Luis, of, of you know the season starting back up, uh, you guys obviously took a big step uh, in being able to at least think about that possibility. You guys were able to train uh, this week on an individual basis. I know you said in the post-practice interview uh, on Wednesday that you were happy, but if you could expand on it, what was it like to get back on the field after two months away? It, it was just amazing to be out there. I mean, it's 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 almost... It, it sounds kind of trite saying it, but just being at the training facility and, and seeing the other guys, and even though it's at a, a great distance, it's not even it's not even close. I mean, basically, all the fields are split into quadrants, and each player has their own quadrant. But to make matters worse, since my goalkeeper coach can't actually strike a ball to me, we have to utilize this cement wall that's all the way at the end of the training facility. And, mm-hmm. and fortunately, we have it because then it's not just rebounders because that requires great accuracy and uh, and just being able to use that wall and, and do some of the drills, it, it's been it's been nice. And to say that we're excited to be back to the training facility is an understatement. And even as I talk to other guys around the league who've been able to get back, just being on the grass, uh, being around the guys in some way, shape, or form brings a degree of normalcy back to our life. Now, obviously, it's a big occasion, and, and you guys are filled with joy and. Uh, but it's also a little bit weird, right, to, to be able to see your teammates and coaches but have to do so at a distance, no handshakes or hugs, I imagine very little dialogue or banter, if any. What was that sensation like to know you're so close but still so far? You're absolutely right. It is strange. It's not perfect. It's um, it's missing a lot of things, but I, I think we'll just take whatever we can get. And though it's a bit of a tease because we can't pass the ball to each other and we can't actually play – after going through eight weeks of quarantine, there's worse situations. And for us to be one of the first teams to be able to get onto the field, I think guys are just relieved. And, um, you know, you can only run on – I mean, the, the tough part is not necessarily that we were just running. The, the tough part is in South Florida, they closed all the parks. Mm-hmm. So from my understanding, some of the guys found a dog park just big enough that they could sort of dodge all the bombs on the, on the <laughs> and were able to to do that. And then in, in where I live, uh, the community I'm in, there's just there's a strip of grass that's just flat enough that you're not going to roll your ankle. Uh, so we we utilize that. But I mean, it, it was slim pickings just because all the parks were closed in South right. Florida. Right. Now, I, I wanted to ask you about really quickly about one player in specific that obviously had a little bit of a longer wait to, to be able to even get to these individual workouts. Julian Carranza uh, was back out there today. I'm not sure if you got to see much of him or if he even trained uh, at the same time as him, but how much of a positive is it for you guys uh, as a team to, to have him ready and healthy for whenever games uh, start up again? I haven't seen him. <laughs> I'm, I'm in a different uh, time slot. So the guys that I have seen, and even my time slot, I'm by myself. I'm the first one there. I get there at 8 o'clock, and the defenders and outside backs um, don't get there until 8.45, I believe. Um, and I think, I think I saw the forwards today, but they were at the far end of the field. So even the way I'm describing this is giving you a little insight into what that experience is like because our facility has seven fields. And four of them are in a row, but as you can imagine, one end to the other end, it, it's pretty far. So their their um, their protocol is is very stringent and tedious, but for the right reasons, right? Like we we want to make sure that we follow the rules 
to the absolute end so that there's no incidents, there's there's nothing that could cause our experience to, to come to a, an abrupt end. And I think guys are respecting that. And it's really important. We even had it, we even had a conversation on our last Zoom call that, you know, it, it's not perfect and it's not ideal, but at least we're back. And uh, everything that that our front office is communicating to us and the technical technical staff is communicating is really important that we follow it because they've worked very hard to establish these protocols. And it's these protocols that are going to allow us to make progress. So I haven't seen him. I know that he's been working very hard. I know that uh, he's probably got to be super motivated because he has missed the beginning of the season. And what sort of works out for him is he hasn't missed that much now because of the of the pause. And so whenever we get back to play, we're hoping that he's fit and he's ready to contribute because he's a big part of what we're doing. I think it's really important that our listeners are hearing what you're saying and are staying safe themselves because unfortunately we're hearing that some people aren't exactly following all the guidelines that they are uh, supposed to follow. And what you described as well, Louise, seems a little bit like spring training. Now, I don't know much about baseball, but I do know that they report separately and they, they're in different areas of uh, whatever complex they're at. A lot of uh, our listeners want to obviously talk about the first two games uh, before um, the season was interrupted. We're not going to go into detail about both games necessarily, but you do have two games under your belts th- this season. Unfortunately, uh, two losses. But I think the consensus is that the performance looked visibly uh, improved in the second game in D.C. after the opener in L.A. against LAFC. Would you boil that down to the formation change, or, or is it player familiarity, or is this, or is that the beginning of uh, a growing assimilation of Alonzo's ideas. And if it is a growing assimilation, uh, I guess you guys in some way might be back to square one on that. Yeah, it feels like forever ago since we played those games. And, and even as you're talking uh, about the games, I have to, to, really, to really think. Um, I mean, the first game was, was against LASC, so now we're talking about the Supporter Shield winners from last year, and, and of course they have all sorts of attacking talent. And playing in that in that stadium just makes for one of the best MLS experiences possible, not only for a player but for a fan. And then of course it, there's a lot there's a lot of side narratives going into that. It's opening kick. Um, it's the first game in the history of the organization, so there's a lot of momentum momentum into that. And, and you know we we played pretty well. I mean I felt like we had an opportunity to to get a point. And that would have been fair, but nonetheless, we didn't get it. And and then we went into the second game against DC, who isn't, you know, they're not at the same level as LAFC. And um, it's not the same sort of buildup. But for us, it was another opportunity as a team, especially as a new team, um, an expansion team, to continue to build chemistry, to build those relationships that are important, but also build that mentality of, that we are a good team, that that we want to win every game. And and it just didn't go our way. And the thing that really, uh, I guess, is tough when I think about it is I felt even in that game, not getting the points, we were making incremental uh, improvements. We were making steps in the right direction. And so it now as a competitor, you just want to get back out there and you want to keep this thing going. You want to build momentum. Um, you want to get that next chance to really grow and and that didn't happen. So it, it is a bit of a reboot, but 
the the Zoom meetings that we've had has allowed us to stay in touch. It's allowed us to continue to banter a little bit um, and keep that chemistry, that that great locker room chemistry going. And no matter how they find a way to get us back to the field, um, we don't feel like strangers. We feel ready for for the next step. And <clears throat> and I know that we didn't get the results that we wanted in the first two games. But we're really looking forward for the next opportunity to be back on the field because if we can keep grinding, we know that we're building towards something big and something special. Uh, and that's just the general feel within the locker room. Luis, I, I wanted to, to build on Eric's question. Eric and I uh, like to talk tactics here on, on Miami Total Football Radio. Uh, and one of the things that you just touched on was the improvement from game two to, uh, from game one to game two. Um, but there was a different style in Game 2 than we saw in Game 1. Against DC United, I remember going back and watching the game a second time and studying uh, a little bit more of what, what happened and what transpired over the course of the 90 minutes. not the same as when you watch it live and the, you know everything's fresh and new to the eyeballs and, and you, you, you see the emotion of the game and all that. Then you guys played much more direct in that second game, a lot, of, a lot more long balls. I think you guys finished the first half with 36 or 34% possession and that's despite you guys being uh in in the lead what can we expect from inter miami tactically when things get back uh to as close to normal as possible obviously you guys had done a lot of a lot of talking in in the press and uh in different videos about being a team that wants to dictate tempo through possession and create chances that way but in that second game we saw a much more direct team and even i think rodolfo pizarro's goal came came uh came off of a very direct play quick counterattack in the second or third minute Yeah, I mean, as I think about that goal, I feel like it was a turnover. Mm-hmm. It might have been a turnover in midfield, and um, and and it was a counterattack in transition. And I think we got the ball out wide to, I want to say, Lewis Morgan, uh, and Robbie made a run that opened up space for for Rodolfo, and he had a great finish. But I, I don't know if that DC United game is the best or the most accurate depiction of how we want to play, um, because we are a team that is going to put a lot of emphasis on keeping the ball possessing it with while being deliberate um, and not necessarily play a lot of long balls. Because if, if you remember the first half, there was one incident, and then in the second half there was another incident that really changed the complexion of the match. The first was Robbie getting hurt, uh, which was kind of a big deal. Because, I mean, uh, when you think when you look at the first game, Robbie, I, I felt like he put in a really good shift. And, and this is a guy that is very, very confident in his ability. And and throughout preseason, you really started to see him mature and grow. And, and I think a lot of us were just really excited to see where this goes. And, and after that first game, you really got the sense that um, whatever nerves were there weren't there. And he, he just – that same confidence, that same sort of arrogance that forwards uh, have just really started to exude from him. And, and, and even in the first 15, 20 minutes of the game, mm-hmm. he was very lively and, and very active. And you could see that confidence growing. So it was a little unfortunate that he got hurt. Um, now it is nice that he's back. So when we get back underway, he's going to be back on the field along with Julian. And then the second, of course, was the red card. So that, I think that right. just changed the entire, um, complexion of the match that tactically you don't want to put too much on anything. Uh, I do think that we are going to be a team that, that loves possession, but very deliberate. Uh, and we are going to want to press from the mid block to the high block to create turnovers and, and, and score goals. So, uh, Diego is, has um, put a lot of emphasis on keeping the ball, and and that's something that we'll continue to get better at. Cool, 
that and before we uh, wrap up, I just wanted to ask you a couple of things, not related directly to Inter Miami, but important matters with regards to MLS. Um, you are an executive board member of the MLS Players Association. There was a meeting a couple of weeks ago between the MLS PA executive board and league officials, including Commissioner Don Garber and Deputy Commissioner Mark Abbott. Uh, Abbott said afterwards, and I'll, I'll quote him, we are in discussion with our players about changes to player compensation due to the financial impact on the league and our clubs from the COVID-19 crisis. Luis, what is the latest in regards to those discussions? What what can you tell us about where things stand and, and how close you guys are to, to come into an agreement? I, I can't say that we're close. I will say that the dialogue continues and it's one that's really been dictated by them because you know, there's certain details that we're, we're waiting for. But uh, if we go all the way back to that call, um, I, I've been... I've been a rep since 2013. It was Dax while I was at New York Red Bulls who who introduced me to what it means to be a part of the Player Association. And and I remember the first time I went on that trip, I, I just went because it was a free trip to Vegas. I mean, who doesn't go to Vegas? <laughs> um, but then once the meeting started and I started to listen to the content and the matters that were spoken of, I thought, man, this is this is, this is big time. This is this is something bigger than me, and this is a, a real way that I could leave uh, a positive impact um, of my time here. And, and so it went from being a team rep to eventually after the 2015 negotiation, I wasn't really too pleased with the way that it went, and, and I threw my name in the hat to be elected uh, to the e-board, and, and I was elected. And so for the last five years, I've been part of that process, and and we've done a lot of good stuff. And I will say that the challenge before us is unlike anything we have ever experienced it's not like a cba negotiation it's just so different in its nature because of the global context and yet the way the players have engaged the way they have activated themselves within their groups has been very very encouraging and so as we wait for the final details from the league there's a lot of things that still need to be discussed but as you can imagine, it's going to be very difficult conversations. And as we try to figure out what that solution is, we're trying to be sensible. We're trying to be pragmatic. But at the same time, we're also looking out for the player pool. And the the way that <clears throat> some of their proposal, at least their original uh, conversation or presentation went, uh, it, it's not just about protecting the back end and the front end. It's, it's every player. And I think that's what's been uh, that's this is an idea that's really grown within the player associations that we're not just protecting one or we're not looking out for one demographic we're looking out for every single player and every single player is going to be unique it's going right. to be different and yet somehow we have to find a way that we can create the best environment for them as a player now piggy just piggybacking off of that now it was reported that a range of other topics were discussed during that call or that meeting um including return to play scenarios and, and competition format uh, obviously, Luis, like you said, this is unprecedented times and there's still so much uncertainty right now as to when and how things can resume. But all the fans, us in the media and, and everyone involved wants to know how or, or how soon can things return to, to being how they were, to seeing in games at least. What did MLS say and what did the league officials say in regards to how soon games could potentially restart and in what manner? Well, I think even just the last couple of days since the individual trainings have started, there's been a lot of press and a lot of interviews on on what that could look like. And I think they're trying to figure that out. And and even I think it was this morning I was reading um, 
I forget what his position is at Sporting Kansas City, but it was an interesting article in the sense that he was really pushing this idea that MLS needs to be the first North American sports league back. And uh, it's interesting because at the same time, the Bundesliga announced that they're coming back next week, which is in- incredible that they're, that they're going to be back. So uh, the, the wheels are definitely rolling and the timelines are definitely shifting. I think the big part is always just going to come down to testing. Uh, if they can get the, the amount of testing um, that's required to test the entire league as well as the staff members, then it, it gets us one step closer to, to playing. I think these individual trainings are great, and it's definitely another step closer to training, but it's really just going to come down to testing. And I know there's been a lot of different ideas that have been thrown out there. The idea of no fans in the stadium, of maybe a central site. And I I just think at this point, because of the nature of what our our country and, and what our continent and our world is going through, all of a sudden, everything, anything creative uh, is being considered. And so I know that the the public wants to know. I know that the player pool wants to know. I know I want to know. Um, but it, it's not it's not official yet. It's not certain. Everything seems a bit opaque because of the idea of testing. If we can get the type of testing that we need, one, it's going to be costly. But I think more than anything, it's going to allow players to feel safe to take that next step forward to getting back onto the field. In many ways, the Bundesliga is going to be the blueprint for everything that we're going to see uh, going forward. One last question uh, for you, Luis. You know, you're, as I mentioned before, and everybody knows who listens to this pod, you're the the first captain of uh, Inter-Miami. That brings a lot of responsibility. I'm going to take you back in time a little bit. You signed for uh, the the Red Bulls in uh, in 2012, one of the original MLS teams, and one that already had a a locker room culture, you know, playing under Baca and Pecky and, and Marsh. Um, and you obviously, during the years that you were there, you played a part in molding it to some degree uh, with other leaders. You mentioned Dax before, BWP. Um, how different, and of course you became captain in 2018, how different is that experience, um, you know, coming into a place that's ha- that has its locker room culture, but having the opportunity to mold it a little bit, from arriving at a new club and essentially uh, having to build one from the ground up. Well, I mean, you nailed it on the head right there. I mean, <clears throat> the experience is very different than the one that I had at the New York Red Bulls. As you said, it, it, it was established already, and you had characters like Thierry Henry and Tim Cahill and, and Peggy Lou and Dula. And, I mean, those are some pretty big personalities, and yet then you have this other contingent of guys like Dax McCarty and Eric Alexander and, um, gosh, who else, Marcus Holger. I mean, there's just... There's so many names. Um, and so I, I just wanted to – I mean, at that point, I was at such a different point in my life and my career. If if you can believe it, like there were days I was still wondering, like, if I still wanted to do this and and <laughs> what's it going to look like on the other side. And and even though I showed up in 2012, I, I didn't have any idea. Franco can attest to this. Like I didn't have any idea that I was going to start this streak and go 183 straight games. So for me, it was just being a part of a team and, and being a part of a locker room and, and and try not to screw it all up so I could still be a part of that team. And and slowly what that allowed me is this great experience of learning different cultures and different players and how to be successful not only as uh, an individual, but as a team. And in 2013, we won our first Supporter Shield, which was our first significant trophy that at least in my time but not not just that for the new york red bulls and that entire franchise and that and that fan base 
And so from there, you just learn and you learn. And I picked up things from other players, especially guys like Thierry and Dax. And I mean, that's just a few. But then you come to Miami and in instead of slowly progressing and, and, and <clears throat> you know, infiltrating, if you will, uh, the, the culture there, you're starting to create it from from afresh. And that was the thing that was most appealing to me is that I, I was going to be a part of this incredible expansion team that has humongous aspirations and huge ambitions. But the thing that Paul kept saying that, that really resonated with me during my visit was this idea of <clears throat> of creating a culture and really being one of the uh, foundational pieces to to create a culture that that could last for a long time. And not only did he um, sell me on that, but he sold a few other really important guys, such as Ramon Torres and Will Trapp and Lee Wynn and AJ De La Garza and Victor Ulloa. Like these are guys that these are just great locker room guys that understand the league and have a lot of success. And when you put us together, all of a sudden now we have an idea of, okay, this is what it, it took at our other clubs to win. And this is what we could bring to this group. But we also want to, to be innovative and original. And that, that comes through all the other pieces, pieces like Pizarro and Carranza and Pellegrini and Figal, just to name a few. Like, and so if you have this foundation of these other guys that can come in and bring a different wrinkle to all of it, all of a sudden you're starting to put together something special. And that's how we feel. We feel like we are putting something special. Um, and this is why we want to get onto the field is because it's not just saying it, it's actually putting it into a product. And that's what I think my big takeaway is from the first two games is we were just scratching the surface and we knew that there was a lot there, a lot to who we are as a team, a lot to who we are as a locker room. And if we can just put it all together, it's going to manifest in victories. It's going to manifest um, hopefully in, in us climbing the standings and eventually being a really competitive team that may one day fulfill the words and the ambitions of our owners. I'm going to sneak one last in here, one in here, Luis. Uh, what was it like to be the honorary first guest on Miami Total Football Radio? We've, <laughs> we've, 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 Eric and I, when we started this, we talked about it. We wanted to have you on first. If, if that was possible, we were able to make it happen. But uh, what was it like to be our, our first ever guest? You, you're essentially our Rodolfo Pizarro goal. So uh, what, <laughs> what, 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 what was, well, what was it like? like that. It was incredible then. Uh, <laughs> no, guys, thank you. I really appreciate that. And, and and it's one thing to to be a part of this great project. It's another thing entirely to to be called into situations like this where you get to represent it. And and I really feel like from everyone I've met at the organization to who we want to be as an organization, uh, it's a it's a privilege and it's a great great opportunity to represent all those people. And so even an opportunity like this to be on your guys's podcast, I appreciate it because it gives us an opportunity to to give our fans and our fan base. Uh, a little more insight into what it is that we're trying to, to accomplish. And we appreciate that, and they appreciate it as well. Another accolade to add to all the other ones that you have. <laughs> yeah, it's right there at the top, another blue ribbon. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll mail you the trophy. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you, guys. Have Thank, a great evening. Thanks, Luis. All right, thanks, man. Appreciate it, man. Well, that was a great interview, and uh, once again, a big thank you to Luis Robles for uh, joining us and not only shedding light on what happened uh, with the return to training, but also what's happening behind the scenes in terms of um, decisions going forward with the season. Yeah, I thought the the stuff he said with regards to the MLS Players Association and the discussions that were being had with 
the league and not just in terms of when games will resume, but how they approach the the pay cut part of it. Um, I thought that was really interesting. Uh, and I, obviously, Luis has, Luis has always been a great quote. You know, we've covered him for the better part of a decade up in New York and New Jersey. You know, I remember him, and I remind him from time to time. In the first day he signed with MLS and signed with the Red Bulls, him walking down Montclair State uh, training facility to do an interview, and he he was walking down with his pregnant wife. At the time, they didn't have any kids. Now they have three. So, you know, we've seen him go from pretty much an unknown to a New York Red Bulls legend and now an Inter-Miami captain. So uh, it was great to have him on, and hopefully we can have him on again once the games start get, start going again. And, uh, you know, there's more to talk about than just practice. And a U.S. international as well. Three caps, uh, I think, if I remember uh, correctly. Uh, Franco, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Paul McDonough, the sporting director of Inter-Miami, did have a conference call. You were a part of that. A couple of the things, or one of the things that he talked about were all the rumors swirling um, in regards to a, a third designated player. Lots of names have been mentioned. James Rodriguez. He didn't talk about James Rodriguez this week, but he did last week. But he didn't bring up Arturo Vidal, and he did bring up uh, Gareth Bale. Yeah, so he, Paul McDonough had a conference call uh, late Wednesday afternoon with media. Touched on a number of topics, a range of topics. A lot of it centered around, obviously, the return to the training facilities for these individual workouts. But a good portion of it, again, was about the rumor mill and obviously all the rumors that Inter-Miami continues to be linked with and, and the players it, can, it continues to be linked with. Uh, he, he never directly said that he wasn't interested in any of these players or that they weren't in talks. He never directly said it, but he did say that, you know, he cannot address every rumor that's out there, every report that floats out there, whether be it in Europe or the United States, because otherwise he would just be talking about rumors and addressing rumors on a daily basis, essentially. So he, what he did talk about, the one that player that he did mention, uh, and it was when I asked him about Agustin Almendra, that's where he went into some detail about what what the what the situation is, and he said that obviously there there were talks with Boca Juniors for Agustin Almendra, center midfielder from for Boca Juniors, over a deal. Jorge Mas back in February had said that Inter that he expected Almendra to join Inter Miami via a loan very very soon. This was back in late February, and obviously Almendra's not on the Inter Miami roster. So that deal never happened. Paul Paul McDonough said they had talks, but obviously everything kind of is in a holding pattern right now. And he he didn't say that they would go back after him. He didn't rule it out, but he also said that they would assess everything, including the appetite for signing players. I think he meant from ownership. That that was my impression. And I think he and he also said not. I think he also said that. You know that there might be other players available, and they have to look at other options as well. Once the time comes, once the transfer market is open again, and there's more clarity with regards to when you can sign players and all that, he did say that he thinks transfer valuations will change as a regard of of the situation. Uh, undoubtedly, and of course, when you talk about the appetite, the appetite also has to do with uh, what the uh, money inside those inside the purse looks like how much there is and what you can play with 
Um, so there's a lot to be seen in that in in that regard, and it's particularly in Europe where crazy sums are still in transfer. Uh, prices are still being bandied about like it's business as usual, uh, which it certainly isn't. I, I do, I do want to add something else that he said that I thought was interesting. I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a talking point. Uh, there was, he said that there was all but one player attended the, these individual workouts, which are voluntary. They're not mandatory. Players do not have to attend. He said that player was out of state up with with permission from the team, but he didn't disclose the information of who that player was, which I thought was interesting. Uh, maybe he didn't want to single out the player, which which would be understandable. But given that Inter Miami sent out a bunch of pictures and all the players were so excited that they posted on their social media them returning to training, you could kind of narrow it down to who it might be. Uh, I did that uh, on Wednesday. There were six players uh, that didn't appear in any pictures that didn't appear in any photos or videos again we don't know exactly who it is but it is among those six uh among the candidates there are nico figal juan agadello uh, and then some of the younger guys like julian carranza who trained today so now it's down to five actually that list is down to five because carranza didn't appear in any any media from from wednesday so interesting to to that they didn't say who it was. I mean, I, I guess I get it just because they don't want to single somebody out. But again, it's it's a talking point that 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 somebody wasn't there. At least I think so. Ooh, it's like a novella uh, right now. And uh, with that, I think we've come to the end uh, of the pod. But just before we we sign off, just a reminder that uh, our pod drops every Tuesday, and that you can follow us on. Uh, every social media platform, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And that is mostly Franco's content, standing in front of a camera either inside uh, Lockhart Stadium or just outside the stadium as he did uh, this week. It's, and it's, also, it's Inter-Miami uh, Stadium now. It's not Lockhart Stadium oh, anymore. That's right. I, know, that's I, know, right. I know your spirit wants to call to Lockhart. And, <laughs> you know, you reminisce on the good times there, but it is now officially Inter-Miami Stadium. Yeah. The good times, the good times as if I, I were like a, a six-year-old. But uh, um, no, it's just that you get used to calling it Lockhart Stadium, but you are absolutely uh, right. Uh, also, let me remind everybody that you can leave reviews. Um, nothing less than three stars would be uh, appreciated. And there was something else I was going to say, but I completely forgot because you got me with the Lockhart Stadium. Yeah. Uh, never mind. Never mind. It's all it's all good, brother. It's all right. We're probably oh, we're probably know, we're probably gonna get three stars anyway from you know all that p talk that uh, that you brought up anyway. So um. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, they, you were fine continuing the conversation uh, in that direction. Uh, oh, I know what I wanted to say. Remember that you can submit your questions and your comments to us, and on the next pod we will certainly address everything that you have to say. And thank you for that. Until next time.